welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. It's good to see all of you today. And congratulations, you made it through the Christmas season. And a few of us laugh. Can you really believe that Christmas has already come and gone? You know, the the Christmas season is absolutely wonderful. I'm a big fan. You know, it's a huge tradition in my family. Uh, You know, we Italians, we eat a lot of fish on Christmas Eve. You know, all the presents, all things like that. But as we know, Christmas can be a little hectic, all right? Um, All the cooking, all the parties, and I know, you know, for those of you who have kids in school, I'm sure you have all these concerts, right? These, like, winter concerts. So there's just tons of stuff. And, of course, shopping for presents, right? That's a big one. That's a huge, busy thing. But if you're like me, I love giving gifts. I love the anticipation of seeing my wife open her presents and the reaction on her face. And if she she likes her gift, that is, (laughs) um... It's a great feeling knowing you did a good job on choosing a present, right? And I think I did a good job this year. Yeah, yeah. So I had ordered this, but, you know, talking about the hectic side of things, I had bought her one thing, and when we received it, it was all damaged. So, like, two days before, we were, like, exchanging gifts, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, no, I have to send it back, go out, and find something new. So, but it worked out. But there's that really awkward moment when the gift you've so carefully chosen isn't quite what they were looking for, right? Or the gift that you've received isn't actually what you wanted, right? There's a little bit of an awkward moment. But thank God for that little piece of paper that can help your awkward gift-giving moments disappear. And that's the gift receipt, right? It's it's amazing because if someone doesn't like their gift, you know, even as they're opening the present, like I find myself doing this, as they're opening it, I'm like, we can bring it back. (laughs) Like, you can bring it back. I got that receipt here. You know, sometimes you just might as well put the receipt in the bag instead. But it's just such a lifesaver. And, you know, so is warranty. When I purchase something with warranty, I know that if it breaks or if it gets damaged, I can return it. I can return it and worry-free, right? Better than warranty, a money-back guarantee. I feel like I'm doing a commercial right now. A money-back guarantee is a satisfaction guarantee. Essentially what it means, if the buyer is dissatisfied with the product or service for any reason at all, they could return it worry-free and receive a full refund for what they put into it, guaranteed. So shop at a Walmart near you. Just joke. All right. But right, if only life circumstances were like that, how I wish that one's life ex- unexpected and ugly moments come around, I can exchange it or return it for something else, right? Having a bad day, let's just change that for a good one, right? Or give it back altogether and not lose out, out on a thing, guaranteed. However, however, life isn't that convenient. Things happen, right? We do things, we make decisions that don't always have the most desirable outcome. And sometimes that's not even our doing. Undesirable things happen to us. And there are things in this life that fill us with worry. Gosh, I really hope I passed that test. I really, really hope that I'm making the right choice in this. How in the world am I going to pay for my upcoming bill? 
Where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? Who is going to watch the dog when I go away? Constant questions bombarding our minds. And as intelligent, responsible individuals, we need to have concern for these things. Right? That's called healthy worry. But if we're not careful, worry can have a very unhealthy toll on us. Right? Have you heard the expression, I've been worried sick? We can become so wrapped up in the worries of our everyday lives that our focus becomes misdirected. Instead of our focus and trust being in God and his sovereign ability to direct and guide, our faith can become directed at ourselves and our own ability to discern God's will for our lives. So oftentimes, we struggle with the desire to take things, situations, decisions, outcomes into our own hands, right? And that's the that's humanness, right? We have this desire to take that and to take control of something. And when we do, the worries of this world become so heavy that we become hindered and helpless. And while there's a certain amount of personal responsibility, we have our choices and behaviors. God is the author of the outcome and result. The omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign God of the universe is in control. And he calls you and I to rest in him. Right? And the famous verse is, Jesus says, lay your burdens at my feet. Just lay it down. And he says, my yoke is easy and light. Trust in me. And you know, it's, the Bible's so interesting because it has these paradoxes, right? Where, like, you know, they just, like, it's like, they just flip things. Like, you know, for, that has, like, a negative sense in our culture and in our day, in our day but it flips it, right? Like, servant, What's the first thing that you think of? You think of maybe something bad, but we're, we're servants of Christ because we have a master who is loving. We have someone who cares for us, who gives everything that we need. Amen? So today we're going to be talking about something in the kingdom of God. And it, uh, this title of today's message is Worry-Free Guarantee, right? Worry-Free Guarantee. How amazing would life be if it was worry-free? But we find Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, 25 to 34. I should know this. We find Jesus here. He's on the hillside in Galilee, and he's talking to a crowds, to these crowds of people. And in Matthew 5 through 7, it's more famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus had become pretty popular, okay? If you read a couple of chapters before, Jesus is baptized, he heads into the wilderness, and he's tempted there by Satan. He comes out of the wilderness, and that's where he begins his ministry. And he begins healing the sick. He begins casting out demons. He begins performing all these miracles. And, right, all of a sudden, all these people are starting to follow Jesus. Crowds are following Jesus. And, and man, try putting a crowd in a small town in Galilee. You can't do that. So instead, Jesus takes them to this hillside, and that's where he delivers this sermon. And the sermon is really cool because it has all these different topics, all these different things of how we are to be citizens in the kingdom of God. He comes to preach about how the kingdom of God has now come and how eternity begins now, not when we pass from this earth, but it begins now. And he hits on something that is so relevant for the here and now. Worry. Anxiety. Who here has nothing that worries them? Nope. Wow. Okay. We all have stuff that we're worried about. So my wife and I, we traveled uh, during this Christmas break to Arizona. And uh, my wife's recently developed a fear of flying. 
She has become keen that shuttling through the sky at 500 miles an hour at an altitude of several thousand feet could potentially be dangerous. Forget that you're more likely to have an accident driving through Baltimore City than in the sky. She now becomes anxious before a flight, right? But right, humans, we're funny, right? We're funny. We, we worry about so many different things. And we're capable of making idols out of everything, right? Worry can be an idol. The need for security can become an idol. We put our trust in investments, our careers, our savings, and our spouses. We put our trust in the things we buy to keep ourselves safe, cars, home security, uh, fences, guns. We don't often like to take a risk on something unless there is a guarantee that if, it's, that if this thing goes sideways, we'll be insured or reimbursed. God doesn't give us that guarantee for this life. He doesn't. But instead, he gives us the guarantee of himself, which is the best thing. He tells us not to be anxious about the uncertainty of life. Why? because there is a certainty of another life. We have a guarantee more sure than anything this world can promise us. And you know, you're going to see in your notes today that there are no notes. Because my point is very clear, and, it's very, and, as, you, and as we read this, you'll, you'll understand. Okay, So I'll tell you the point after we read together. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And that's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And the point really is that God provides for his children. Do not be anxious because God provides for his children. Right? And reading this, Jesus makes it sound so simple. He begins with the statement, don't be anxious about your life. Right? This includes what you'll eat, drink, and wear. But life also includes things like where you'll work, whom you'll marry, and where you'll go to school. Jesus is speaking to a people group who needed to strategically plan every day where they would find food, drink, and clothing for themselves and for their families. Widows with no children had no means of income. Children with no families had no inheritance. Our daily anxieties may vary, right, from those of the ancient Israelites, but they weigh just as heavy. Worry is worry. And reading Jesus' words, you might think to yourself, Jesus, I really have to think about these things daily. How can you ask me not to? Right, just don't be anxious. 
Lord, I'm right there with you. I do not want to be anxious, right? I do not want to worry. But God, how? How, how do you expect me not to when I have all these things pressing up against me, when I have all these thoughts and all these things? How, Lord, how? But before he gives us the how, he gives us the why. And he shows three reasons why we're not to worry. And he says, um, oh, I skipped a little bit ahead of myself. But if you're, not, if you're asking those questions to yourself, if you're asking, Lord, how? You're not alone. You aren't. It's so, it sounds so simple, and yet it's difficult to take that command at face value. Sorry, Jesus, I'm my family's, soul's, I'm my family's sole provider. I'm the man of the house. If I lose my job, how will we make it? Jesus, I'm their mother. Well, I'm not the mother, but you get what I mean. If I don't concern myself with these things, they'll never get done. And he follows this statement with a question, right? As all these questions are going through our mind, and before he tells us how, he asks us a question. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, obviously, right? The question is clearly rhetorical, rhetorical because life is more than food and clothing. It's a lot more. Then why ask the question at all? He asks this question to get the focus off of us and our daily needs. He asks us so that our minds are, well, yeah, Jesus, you're right. Life is, is more than just those things. And if life were simply about satisfying our needs, then our lives would be purposeful, purposeless because we will never be fully satisfied in this life. Right? Humans are perpetually needy. We eat and we get hungry again. Right? I'm Italian. We eat and then after something else comes out, we eat again. And if something else comes out, we eat again. A five-minute break, and then you eat again, right? We get, but, right, we eat and we get hungry again. We drink and we get thirsty again. We make money. We spend it all on gifts. Well, not all of it, but we spend it on gifts, and we make more money, right? We're needy people. So if life is just about fulfilling those needs, man, what purpose is there? So Jesus, Jesus challenges our thinking to get our minds off of what is immediately in front of us and to look at the bigger picture. And he says this, right, the how, I mean the why. He says, look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at how God cares for these creatures, and how much more valuable are you? See, birds don't have investment planners. They don't have a store of food or a vacation home in the Bahamas for when winter comes. Yet God provides for them. You and I are indescribably more important to God. We have been created in his image, not the birds, but we have been created in the image of God. And his desire is to have a loving relationship with us. Not some passive acquaintance, acquaintance type relationship, Right, but that of father and child. Jesus declares that the God who provides for the bird, birds of the air will surely provide for us. But Jesus, I have way more responsibility than the birds. They don't have to pay bills. They don't have to put four kids through college. They don't have to put gas in the car every week. But Jesus isn't finished. He goes on to say, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. Which one of you can do that? None of us. No one can. 
Remember, Jesus isn't talking about healthy worry like concern and responsibility. He is talking about worry that's driven by fear or anxiety. He's talking about fear that is motivated by hyper-consciousness of the worst possible outcome. The dwelling on the uncertainty of a situation, playing it over and over again in your mind, searching for an angle that you can take control of the outcome. All right, and how many of you have been in situations where you've worried so much about something and you've done that? You've done that thing where you've played in your head over and over and over again and then when you finally come, like when you get through that situation, you look back and you're like, man, I wasted so much time on this thing or I wasted so much time worrying. All right, we have to be careful not to shift our focus from God, right, and onto ourselves because we're gonna try and do that. We have that temptation as humans to Take something and be like, okay, God, I'm just going to take this and I'm going to think about this because I could do it. I got it. Right? Humans, we're helpless. And Jesus reminds us of our helplessness, not to cause despair, but to remind us that we are not in control. You're not. I'm not. God is. God is in control and he is good and his intentions are good and his purposes are good. In fact, they're perfect. Our helplessness centers our focus on the one who is not helpless, on the one who is all-powerful, who knows our needs and can take care of us. Worry robs us of joy. Worry to the point that it causes you to be sick, it robs us of joy. And the word of God says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Worry doesn't add to our lives, but it takes from it. It really does. He moves on and again explains why we are not to worry. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, oh you of little faith? The flower and grass grow one day and are tossed into the oven the next. And people use flowers in that time uh, of the field as kindling to help start fires in the oven. And Jesus says that they don't toil, and yet God makes them beautiful. They don't do anything. They just grow. God causes them to grow. God makes them beautiful, and yet God takes care of them. We're reminded again that God provides for his children. If he's going to take care of a flower, he will certainly take care of you. And Jesus uses this phrase at the end, oh, you of little faith. And, you know, sometimes you might be reading this and you might think like Jesus is being like, oh, you of little faith, have more faith. And he's not reprimanding us. He's not mocking. He's not doing anything like that, okay? Because we know that even in Scripture it says that, uh, Jesus says himself that faith the size of a mustard seed, we can say to a mountain, move, and it will be tossed into the sea. And I don't know if any of you have seen a mustard seed, but when I traveled to Israel, we, we took a Jeep ride through Galilee, and we came to this, these fields, and like they were really tall plants. And as we were driving, we were like, what are these plants? And they were like, these are mustard plants. And I was like, wow, okay, never thought that. So you could pick off like the, the, you could pick off this part where it has the grain, and they tell you what to do. They tell you to rub the grain between your hands, and then you will find the mustard seed. And man, is it small. 
And it puts things in perspective because as I was looking upon this mustard seed, I was like, I got more faith in that. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, I have a little bit more faith in that. So I believe here Jesus is referring to a misplacement of our faith. Because think about it. You always have faith in something. You always have faith in something, but what is it that you place your faith and trust in? What is it? Where are we directing that? And that's something we have to ask ourselves. Are we directing it at ourselves or at God? Are we placing our faith and trust in what is eternal or on things that are perishable? And again, I'm not saying that planning for the future is wrong. The Bible speaks very clearly of how wise it is to plan for the future. There's wisdom in that. It's foolish to sit back and be like, all right, God, you said don't be anxious. I ain't going to be anxious. I'm just going to sit here, do nothing. You're going to take care of me. No. All right? That's not what that means at all. There's wisdom in that. God's given you a brain. He's given you hands. He's given us the ability to, to go and to do. But it's when we become so focused on that where it's like, I have to do this in order for everything to be okay and so on and so forth. And we become so weighed down by that, that's when it's unhealthy. Because God's our savior. God is our provider. So in verses 31 and 32, he gives us the final, final reason why we are to why we're not to be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And the word Gentiles here means people who are outside the covenant relationship of God. Back then, in this context, right, we we're talking about people who are not Jews, okay? And thank God for Jesus because when Jesus came, when he died on the cross for our sins, he made a way so that all humanity could come into relationship with God, whether you're Italian, whether you're Swedish, whatever, okay? You can be a part of the covenant people of God. So here, when he's talking about Gentiles, he's talking about people who do not follow God, those who do not follow Christ. These, are the, these people, they place, their th- they place their faith in things that don't last, The world places their faith in a political party, national security, or a president. They place their faith in money, in family, or in their own intelligence, hoping to find value, purpose, security, and satisfaction. But the pursuit of those things amounts to nothing. And you see, followers of God, we we don't fall into that category. Here's the thing, the temptation, we do have the temptation to fall into that, but our, our minds are not focused on that. But it's the people of the world that are focused on, what are we going to wear? What are we going to do? How is this going to happen? They worry about that. But people of God, we don't because we have a heavenly Father who provides. But you see how Jesus is crafting this? And he's asking these questions, these rhetorical questions, so that we answer it ourselves. Well, yeah, God, okay, that makes sense, God. If you provide for the birds, you'll provide for me. God, if you provide for the flowers, you'll provide for me. Okay, yes, God, I'm, I'm a follower of you, so yeah, I do trust in you. And he's getting us to, to answer these questions for ourselves and see and, and to you know, help and to remind us of the God that we serve. He's reminding us. And then finally, Jesus comes to verse 33 and he explains how. How many of you are excited to know how to not be anxious? I am. 
Jesus says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put your trust in me and my ways and what I want for you and all these things will be added to you and I will take care of the rest. How, God? How will you take care of the rest? We're never satisfied with like just receiving that. Be like, okay, God, you're gonna take care. But it's like, well, God, how? How do you plan to do this? Because this, this doesn't make sense of how you're gonna take care. Right? We like to know things. We like to have the blueprints of everything and the directions to everything, right? God doesn't tell us how, right? He doesn't say. He doesn't tell us how, only that he will. Only that he will. So how do we live a worry-free life guaranteed? By the grace of God. By the strength and the wisdom of God. With the help of God, we pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the word seek here doesn't mean to go looking for something, right? Because God gave us Jesus. He's given us salvation. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. So it's not like, all right, seek it. So like, go find it. No, God's saying it's here. It's here. So the word seek is better translated pursue. Pursue the kingdom of God. Pursue righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. When our priority is on following Christ and trusting in the sovereign God in our everyday lives, all these things will be added to you. He takes care of the rest. Does that mean we will never suffer? No. Does that mean he will prepare us for every eventuality so we aren't surprised and caught off guard in life? No. But it does mean that he will that we will never go through a single thing alone. God promises to provide and take care of those who, who pursue him, his children. And we talked about this relationship earlier, right, and how God desires to have a relationship with us, and it's not something that's acquaintance type, but it's father and child. That's his desire for us, is to have that. He teaches us, he shapes us, he molds us to be more like him. In the same way children are a reflection of their parents, we are a reflection of the character of God. And as his children, he gives us what we need even when we don't understand. Because how many of you know children don't always know what they need? Parents do. Growing up, my favorite thing to eat was microwave pizza with three pickles and a few carrots on the side. And let me tell you, I would eat that every single day if I could. How many of you know that's extremely unhealthy? Yes. And I am not a parent, but I can only imagine that you would want to give your child something that's going to help them grow, something that's not going to make them sick, right? But you're going to give them something that's going to help them grow, something that's healthy. And it's the same way with God. There are going to be times where you're like, God, I don't understand. You're not giving me what I need. It doesn't always look the way that we think, but he gives you what you need. His word promises that. Trust in your father. Trust in him. That's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to trust in him because he is good. He is perfect. In times of trouble, heartache, and sorrow, we need to keep our trust and faith centered on Christ. Jesus never promises that life won't be difficult. He never says that God will make you rich and that you will live a comfortable life until your time passes on this earth. 
And I know some of us have gone through and are going through hard seasons. Some of us are going into 2019 with a lot of uncertainty hanging over our heads. And there is much to be concerned over. And when things go wrong, we're not according to plan. Right? That's tough. You know, I mentioned this in first service, but I have to say it again. But, you know, it's been truly an honor to be serving under Pastor Paul and his ministry. And, you know, and just even seeing in the way that he's conducted himself in this whole Gen Now initiative. Um, and, and, you know, we've been updating you with everything that's been going on outside. And it really hasn't gone as according to plan as we would have liked. Right? There are a lot of bumps along the way. And that's okay because that happens. But it's been really cool to see how Pastor handled that. How he could have let something like that make him become so anxious and worried and concerned over. But he trusts in God. He's someone who trusts in God and who truly reflects what it is to be a follower of Christ. You know? He puts his trust not in the plans in his plans or in the contractor's plans or the officials of Hartford County, but he puts his trust in the sovereign God who's in control. Amen? And that's what we do. God sees you. He says that more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, he cares for you. And he is faithful and he will see you through. You know, even about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, it really takes the focus off of ourselves. Because how many of you know that worry just makes you always look at yourself and what you're going through? And that's not to minimize what you're going through. But when, when God says, seek this because I will, all these things will be added unto you, he's helping us to look out and to look at the other people around us who are in need. And that's why God has created the church. That's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Just so that we can see the needs of those around us and we can help one another. You know, and honestly, that's a prayer of mine for 2019 is, Lord, help me not to be so self-centered. I'll, you know, help me. But help me to be looking out more. And I'm going to invite the band to come back up on stage as we wrap up. But finally, in this last verse, we finish with a prescription. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So many of us have questions and fear looming over our heads. God, I don't know what I would do if this were to happen. And you could fill in the blank there. Maybe not. You might not know what to do if, if that thing were to happen, but you will when the time comes. God, if this were to happen, I don't know if I can make it. It definitely won't be easy, but God will give you the strength. God will give you the strength to overcome. We don't have a promise that we can return a situation hassle-free after 90 days if we don't like it. That would be the best invention ever, but it's not there. This world can't give us a guarantee that we'll be restored to our former position if we are dissatisfied with it for any reason. There is no such thing as a life receipt. There's not. Jesus says the key is this. Meet today's problem with today's strength and trust that tomorrow, God will give you the strength you need for that day. If we allow ourselves to be consumed with the overwhelming uncertainties of our innumerable tomorrows, we can become paralyzed with fear. I've been there where I'm like so scared, so nervous even to 
just confront this worry and to confront this fear instead of just let it play in my head, play in my head. And it's like, man, why do we let ourselves do that? When Jesus says, trust me today and trust me for tomorrow. And even though we don't know what tomorrow is gonna hold or what tomorrow brings, God knows. God holds your tomorrow. And I think this is so you know, relevant going into 2019, right? Some of us may have had a hard 2018, may be worried about what 2019 will bring, but you're here in this room, you have breath in your lungs, you have life. And God will see you through. He will see you through to 2019, he will see you through to 2020, and he will see you through to, for the rest of eternity. Because this, this earth is not the end, right? Like we talked about earlier, the kingdom begins now. The kingdom of God is now. And we start to live that way now, not just when we get to heaven, because that's a continuation. Eternity begins now. And he will see us through. He will give us everything that we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We cannot dwell on the what-ifs and maybes. We must pray, Lord, let me feast on your provision for today and trust in your provision for tomorrow. Trust in his provision tomorrow. He will be by your side through it all. Our God is faithful and our hope is eternal. Our hope is not restricted to this life. It is not. And that's the hope that we have. You know, this morning you might be have you might say, Pastor Daniel, I do have a lot of fear, <laughs> or I do have a lot of a lot of stuff, and I'm gonna invite the prayer teams to come forward. You might have so many things on your mind. Trust in God today. Trust in God today, and we have people here that you can that will talk to you and that will pray for you. And like I said earlier, God has given us one another so that we can. Right, so that we can confess to one another, that we can share with one another, that we can carry each other's burdens. But I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna pray that God would encourage each and every one of us today to trust that God will provide for you. Do you believe that, church? Yes. And even if you're having a hard time believing that, speak it anyway, because it's the truth. Do you believe God will provide for you? Amen. And then at this time, the ushers are going to pick up the spiritual emphasis forms. And if you could pass them to the ends of the row, that would be great. So that would be easier to collect. Maybe I challenge you with this, with this Engage 2019. Start off, let's start off the year. And every day after the, even this 21 days of spiritual emphasis, let's keep our eyes centered and focused on Christ. So would you pray with me this morning?